Get a little more out of watching NBA games with Daily Fantasy. Every Nasir Little dunk, LB3, or Nurkic block means so much more when you're playing with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast. Locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the City of Roses, City of Bridges, Stumptown PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me on this episode are my co-host Blazer Ben and Rip City Encyclopedia Eric Foster. What's good, fellas? Bingo, bingo, bongo, Blazer fans. What's good, <laughs> fellas? Uh, it's always a pleasure having you guys on. Also, joining us on this episode is longtime sports journalist and TV personality Aaron Fentress. Aaron, What's welcome that? to the show, man. <laughs> I didn't want to be left out. <laughs> you should have heard my my intro uh, in our first season it was oh, ridiculous yeah. the glorious the notorious it, tim johnson yeah it was ridiculous <laughs> i had to shout out rip city and everything it was awful it was really bad and we're not much better anymore but it's different so anyway quick summary this is all about you aaron we want to pick your brain okay you've, you've been in the game for a while we just want to know what you know so uh, we have a list of questions we're going to ask you. Before we do that, I know Eric has a very serious question to ask you. Uh-oh. Okay, Aaron, you and I have interacted on Twitter a few times regarding this, and I just want it on the record. Do you stand by <laughs> your statement that the Burger King Whopper is a superior burger to the In-N-Out Double Double? All day, oh, every day. <laughs> All day, every day, man. The In-N-Out is so overrated. So I, I think it was the Vegas Bowl 2006. I'm, I'm there in Vegas, and a few people who work for Oregon, one of them being Rob Mosley, is telling me about the In-N-Out burger. We have to go to In-N-Out burger. And I'm thinking, this must be the greatest thing ever. Like, I'm going to see, you know, rainbows and unicorns when I eat this <laughs> cheeseburger. It's going to be so amazing because people talk it up like that. And we go and get it and it looks so basic and plain and I bite into it. I'm like, this isn't that special. And they're, oh, but it's fresh, it's fresh. Give me that fresh nonsense, it's a cheeseburger. So I think it's average, it's okay. I don't hate it, but the Whopper to me is the bomb. That grilled taste, oh, excellent. <laughs> all right, yes, fair, yes. Enough, fair I, enough. I support I, I gotta... that, I support that too. Yeah, I'm all about that BK. <laughs> okay. First of all, not a fan of BK. Secondly, I'm also not a fan of In-N-Out. Although I've been told I've been eating it the wrong way. Aaron, did you order it animal style? No, I don't see. That's no. See, that's just nasty. That's just I, I don't know. I don't. I've never ordered it that way. And either. I agree with that. I, just, I had to ask. 
I just remember there was a segment on Comcast Sportsnet when you and Jordan Kent. You remember that? Yes, and you guys and you. <laughs> I watched your face, and there was like disgust on your face. Like I cannot believe you guys hyped this, and the way you looked at that burger, and then the way that Jordan was looking at you, like he was hurt. <laughs> he was disgusted with me the entire time we were filming that segment. He just couldn't believe it. His his emotions were not acting. He was absolutely disgusted with me. But I didn't care. I like what I like. It's just how <laughs> to it each is. their own. That's right. To each their own. But I I gotta know. Have you had Shake Shack? Because for me, no burger is better than Shake Shack. Okay, I have not have it had one yet. One just went in, just a few couple miles from Cedar my Hills. house. And every time I drive by it, I start singing. The Love Shack. <laughs> and my wife hates the song, The Love Shack. So oh, I think she's funny. towering on Shake Shack. Because I'm like, the Shake Shack. <laughs> so I do intend on going in there. But when it first opened, there was these long ass lines. I'm not about to stand in a block long line for a cheeseburger. dude. I'm with you, man. You I'm know, with you. I wouldn't stand in line when the Star Wars movies were coming out. You know, I'm not in line for a cheeseburger. Come on, hey, don't don't, don't date yourself, Aaron. <laughs> I meant I meant the prequels and <laughs> the most recent one. Seven, eight, nine, eight, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's 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 dive in. Might as well, um, Aaron. Actually, b- before we do that, I do want you to give you a chance to tell our listeners exactly what you do. Maybe for the those who maybe have been under a rock and haven't heard of your name, uh, please. Uh, the floor is well, yours. I'm I'm covering the Portland Trailblazers for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com. Last season was my first season, although I covered the bubble session. Prior to that, I've covered a lot of Seahawks and Oregon Ducks football. I'm helping out with some duck stuff. I write some enterprise stuff here and there. I'll help out with a few games here and there. But my main job is uh, the Blazers. And we have a Blazers podcast called the Blazer Focus Podcast, which can be found on OregonLive.com. And I guess every podcast, uh, Apple and uh, Spotify, places like that as well. Right on. If you haven't checked him out yet, go check him out. It's worth the listen. All right. Easy question. First one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We just want to know uh-huh. what's your favorite moment or interaction while you're covering the Blazers, like within the organization. Could be players, could be you know front office, could be anything. Well, I've only been covering them during the COVID time, so I've had really no interactions until the introductory press conference for Billups it was the first time media was at the practice facility since March of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then in Vegas. So I guess. I mean, I had just had a couple sit-downs, one-on-ones with Chauncey Billups in Vegas last week. So since that's the first time I've interviewed someone face-to-face with the Blazers, <laughs> I guess that would have to be number one. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought up Chauncey because we were curious about Chauncey. So um, we actually, I, I actually saw that you were at that introductory press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted to get your thoughts um, from the time that it happened, like while you were there, what were your initial thoughts? And then kind of has it, has your opinion maybe changed throughout, you know, the time between then and now, as far as whether Billups is going to be an an actual asset, maybe more so than Stotts was for the organization. Well, first thing is that 
you know, I figured there was going to be a coaching change because so many people were reporting there was going to be. And I was having conversations with someone with the Blazers actually like defending thoughts in a lot of ways. But the person was like, yeah, but that defense. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I started thinking, hmm, maybe Stoss is in more trouble than I think he is. So I kind of figured that there might be something happening. As a matter of fact, funny story, the season ended, I think, on a Thursday with that game six loss where it just melted down. <laughs> I even mm-hmm. used the term meltdown with Stoss. He said, I don't like that term. I'm thinking, dude, y'all melted down. <laughs> but the next Friday, my son had a baseball game in Tiger. And something told me, take your laptop. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I took my laptop and then the news broke that they were parting ways with Olshay. So I'm at my son's baseball game posting that Olshay is being fired or well. You mean stops. Mutual yeah. parted ways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking, okay, coaching search, that's usually a pain in the neck for anyone to cover. I mean, it's just, you know, one of those things. But then, I mean, it just became a circus, you know, Damian mentions Kid and Billups to Chris Haynes. Um, I'm instantly like, oh heck, that's that's not gonna. The Kid stuff I remember. The Bill stuff, the Billups stuff I didn't really remember. I, I I'd forgotten mm-hmm. all about the accusations. The Kid stuff I knew about. Um, and of course, that's what started a just crazy three weeks of just you know backlash from fans. Uh, Damian Lillard on Twitter, you know, defending himself. Basically, at some point, you know, getting so upset that he's making these veiled threats, you know, about, you know, at some point, sorry, it's not going to be good enough, things like that. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's thinking about leaving because he's being blamed for the for the search. But and, is he, though? And Is he what? <laughs> thinking about leaving. Well, we can get to that. <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway, yeah, anyway, it just, I mean... It was just a mess. Like it was a, it ruined my summer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it about me for a second because it was just, it was just craziness. And it, it was just, you know, so by the time the introductory press conference came along, you know, that was an uncomfortable thing uh, at first because you just had so many questions and so many people wanted to know so much about 1997, but they came out and they addressed it um, right off the bat, which I thought was a smart move. But where things went off the rails were, you know, not answering the question that that uh, Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd, that Jason Quick asked um, for further clarification. Was that, was that the infamous uh, taking a drink of the water bottle moment? <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> for uh, Ashley to shut that question down. And then it was just so short. Um, you know, it, it was it, it wasn't handled perfectly, and I, I think pretty much everyone <laughs> with the Blazers can agree to that. Uh, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, they clearly feel strongly, one, that he's, he was innocent of those accusations, and two, that he's the right guy for the job. And I don't know if you saw the story I did a few weeks ago where I did a like two-week two process of going back and forth with the DA who handled that case mm-hmm. and he insisted. He's like, not only did we not charge him or indict him, he was cleared. They cleared him and Mercer. And the DA was adamant about yeah. that. He's like, all these people want to retry this thing, relitigate it 24 years later. Who, and I, I, I joked with them, I'm like, hell, half of them weren't even born 24 years ago. <laughs> or maybe they were in elementary school. And he's just like, yeah, he's like, you have to understand, we spent three months on this case. Like, we we dove deep into it. And we believe Jane Doe was raped. It just wasn't by Billups and Mercer. And he said flat out, he, he, they believed it was Antoine Walker's friends that he had from, you know, Chicago who were not good dudes. But they, they didn't have enough evidence 
to go after him because, you know, I don't know how much you guys want to get into this, but my point is, is that, you know, I think fans have to just come to a realization that yes, he was accused of something, but he was cleared by authorities. It was 24 years ago and figure out a way if people can to let it go. I've let it, like, I, I will not write about it anymore. I'm done with it. Um, so to answer your question, I feel like things were really, really clumsy and how things were handled uh, on almost every angle. Olshay, the, the organization, Lillard as well. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, I think they hired the person they believe is the right guy. And I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt moving forward. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Eric. You had something. I'm curious because I am of the opinion that it was a lose-lose situation no matter how the organization handled it. Are you convinced that there was a better way to do it? It's Well, you know what? That's a great question. It's like, how how do you not, you know, how is it not going to be messy? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the easiest way to not make it messy is just not hire. Which isn't fair. Right? I mean, that. Right, that right, and that's mm-hmm. why I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. If, if you know he truly is innocent of this, then that that isn't fair. Um, but I'm, you know, I covered crime in courts at the Oregonian. One of the first things I did as a kid, and you know, I learned a lot about the judicial system, the court system. You know, innocent till proven guilty. What goes into a case, things like that. So when I when I look at cases like this, I look at them completely differently than a lot of people do. And sometimes that gets me in trouble with people because people get really emotional. Was I'm, I'm very matter of fact about it, which is how you're supposed to be as a journalist. You're supposed to be objective. You're not supposed to be emotional. Uh, so I just looked at it from a standpoint of, you know, if he's innocent, then the only thing that's going to trip this up is just how people react. And people chose to react in a very visceral way. And I'm not blaming them for that. I think there's reason for that. But this wasn't a thing for 24 years. So if you're the Blazers and you know you're in a market that's going to react that way, you're almost in, like you said, a situation where there may not be a right way to handle it. Now, I will say this. They could have just talked more at the press conference. Like they could have allowed for more questions because people had other questions. Questions that if answered the right way would have helped mitigate some of the negative negativity. But when you go into a sensitive situation like that, and then you cut off a question, a very legitimate question, right? And then you cut the thing short, it just makes you look bad. It just mm-hmm. does. There's there's no way around that. So how they could have handled it better would have been just a bit more transparent and just let it play out. Just let, let the questions come, keep going with it, roll with it the best you can. I think that could have made it better, but what it is. I got, I got one real quick, Tim. I got one real quick. Sure. Do <clears throat> you think kid pulled his name out of the hat quickly because he didn't want his past rehashed, you know, in, in the in the mainstream media as it would be here in Portland? Um, I've heard mixed things on that. I've heard that there was a request made for him to bow out, but I've also heard that he was never really interested anyway. Mm-hmm. So just because J- Damian Lillard says, I want Jason Kidd, and there's obvious reasons why he would. Kid from Oaktown, NBA championship point guard, sort of no-nonsense kind of coach. Makes sense to me. Uh, I do believe Lillard did not know about his past. I believe Lillard did not know about the accusations against Billups when he first said what he said that weekend, Jan- Jan- June 5th. He knew from that point on during the process of trying to hire a coach, though. Um, 
but I don't think Kidd was ever a candidate. I think Lillard named him, but I don't think Kidd was ever someone that the Blazers were going to hire. So it wasn't a matter. So it wasn't a matter of Kidd bow out because we might, you know, we might have to hire you or something like that. It was like, Kid, could you maybe bow out? And Kid's like, Yeah, I'll bow because I never bowed in. <laughs> I think Kid, I think Kid knew Dallas was on the table. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So I don't think it's a situation where they had to ask him to back off, or he might have been a candidate. He was never going to be seriously looked at. And that's funny too that he would go back to Dallas. I know he won a chip there, but his original departure from Dallas, if we want to go back there with the Jimmy Jackson, Tony Braxton thing, that was messy. <laughs> you know that I, you went to the Jim Jackson, Tony Braxton. I forgot about see? that. Too. I need, I need to brush up. On that's my why he's the yeah, encyclopedia. That's why, we, that's why we. Yep. That's why we call him the encyclopedia. <laughs> you working for TMZ, dude? <laughs> he just had a messy exit. You know, he had a messy exit and the first time, and then he did obviously went back there on one with Dirk and helped Dirk get his ring. And but didn't wasn't Tony Braxton also in a messy thing with uh, Curtis Martin? Too? I think so. Yeah, the running back. Oh, did Jackson yeah. steal her from? You know, I mean, Tony was unbreaking a lot of hearts. They love him in Dallas, they, though, right? There was not a rip controversy when he went there, was there? No, no. It just shows the difference in the in the market. And right? they're here; yeah. they would have been protests oh, at, at Moda, Dallas. They rolled out the red carpet. It's just a, you know, I think you touched on it on social media quite a bit that Portland fans can be an interesting group as far as their knee jerk reactions to things. <laughs> Laser Twitter psycho. It can be at times, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely has its bipolar oh, yeah. moments. Yes. Uh, getting getting a little bit back on on topic though. Um, I, I want to know if you think that Chauncey is actually going to make a difference defensively for this team. Will do you think the players are going to buy in? Um, I mean, how how high are we expecting this defense to go? I mean, what's where's where's the ceiling for them? You know, it's fascinating. So. You know, there's a stat out there that the starting five, as is, when they played together, their defensive rating was 104, right? And then that was plus 13.3, right? Well, if that were to hold up in this upcoming year, they're a contender, right? You're plus 13 in that rating. You're in the hunt, right? Yeah. Uh, I, You know, I'm the master of, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people get pissed off at me for this but you know this the biggest stretch of that run when they went 10 and 2 they played brooklyn without durant and harden i think yeah i think you're right they played the lakers without lebron and ad or just without lebron i think without lebron Mm -hmm. they played indiana didn't have sabonis uh they played utah without mitchell and conley or just mitchell i can't remember i don't recall that game and then they played denver when denver didn't care the last game of the season and there's another win in there that was a little tainted so it was like it was one of those runs where like, yeah, they were winning, but who were they really beating? And they weren't at full strength. So I think that's the caveat to this whole thing is like, okay, they had this, this nice, these nice ratings, but did they always play legitimate competition? That said, yes, I do think builds will make a difference. One of the clear problems uh, that everyone pretty much expressed in some way or another was that Stoss did not hold people accountable on defense. <laughs> Norman, I tweeted this today, because I'm working on a feature with on Norman, and uh, he told me when I talked to him recently, he said, yeah, when we played Portland, 
we worried. He said we didn't really worry. Wait, he said we worried about how we were going to stop them from scoring. We didn't really worry about how how we were going to be able to score. Something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saying that it was like, oh, we got Portland. Our offense is set. Right? <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to hit 115. That's not even an issue. Uh, he also said during the season that it was clear, like a clear nine day difference between how they approached defense in Toronto to how they approached it in Portland. Toronto, they cared about it. In Portland, eh, it was kind of optional. You weren't going to get ringed for playing poor defensively. I do remember one game when Stotts freaked out and they got, oh, and they got blown out in Milwaukee. He was pissed. That was the most pissed he'd been all season. Um, and he was talking about the defense, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing changed, right? Nothing really changed. Now, at the same time, you had Cantor instead of Nurkic, adding Powell help. But there still just wasn't that intensity from your coach that you got to play defense. Also, your star player had one of the worst defensive ratings in the league last year, right? So now Billups is going to come in. I, actually, I talked to Larry Brown today, his uh, former coach of Detroit, and he talked about how he had to, you know, get Billups to play defense back in the day. But Billups is going to come in, and he's a defensive-minded point guard who won a championship on a defensive-minded team that is number two defensive rating in the league when they won the title in 2004. Um, he's got a championship ring, right? He's also 6'5", and looks like he's about 240. He could probably whoop ass if he had to, right? So not, <laughs> not, not, not saying that he's going to fight anybody, but there is a little bit of a difference when someone comes at you with authority and has a physical presence. That, not that Stotts didn't, but Stotts is 63 and kind of lanky. And Billups is built, and he's only 44, and he could probably still take Damien to the rack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and he could poke something in, right? So there's going to be a little bit of a presence with him uh, than, than Stotts didn't have. And they all know coming in, he means business on defense. And he told me, he said, we're going to find out who really wants to win. And when he said that, I was thinking, Dame, CJ, right? He wants to know who really, you really want to win? You got to play defense. Period. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, no more of this defense is optional. No more, you know, not being held accountable for playing defense. We're going to hold people accountable. If you just do that and you stay healthy, there's no reason you can't go with this team from 29th to 12th or whatever. I mean, there's no reason. That's only, that's only three or four points per hundred possessions. It's not a huge difference. It's only a couple, you know, two or three more stops and mm-hmm. you're there. So yes, I do believe he's going to make a difference on defense. So, do you think that if we, and I mean we, just because I'm a huge Blazers fan, sure. <laughs> if the offense also becomes more inclusive, and right. Dame and CJ aren't required to carry the same offensive load, and are able to divert some of that energy that they were using to be a one-two punch, and really, I mean, I think they account for like 64% of the points or something like that on the team. And that gets divvied up and Dame, instead of averaging 30, goes down to 25. CJ averages a solid 22 and the ball moves around a little bit more and they're not required to do so much offensively. Would that help those two guys tick up their defense a little bit? Is it, or do you think that they're just not natural defenders? Well, I I do. I think Damien has a little bit better lateral quickness than CJ. CJ doesn't have great lateral quickness. Like you can kind of see sometimes he can get juked. Uh, Dame's a little bit better, I think. So I, th- I think Dame has the potential to go from very mediocre to solid. And I think CJ has a chance to go from, you know, pretty mediocre to probably solid as well. 
CJ actually had a better defensive rating last year than he's had in a while and it was way better than Dame's. Um, but again, it's not it's not a matter of being a lockdown defender or it's just not getting roasted as often. <laughs> you know, again, we're just talking like about every time. <laughs> right. We're just talking about a couple of possessions, right? It's just or just even even a couple a couple more stops and making 10 or 15 possessions more difficult. Right? That's really all you're talking about. And Billup said, and I wrote this uh, last week. He said, look, I'm not going to be a prisoner of my era. You know, we, you can't live playing defense like that back then. Because back then, you know, I, I looked it up. It was like the NBA average, NBA teams averaged 12 threes a game back then. Now they're averaging 34 threes a game per team, right? So you're going from 24 threes a game to 68 combined. So scoring is going to go up. People are going to score and you're spreading things out. That makes the lanes more open, et cetera, et cetera. So they're not going to shut teams down. It's just a little bit better effort and a little bit more attention to detail. To your point, though, Billup said, said that, look, you know, we want those guys to know that they can be more aggressive on defense, not worry about foul trouble, which was a great point he made, which I had really considered, is that if you're being aggressive on defense, do you pick up a couple of cheap fouls that maybe you wouldn't have, and then now you're in foul trouble, and then you lose minutes, therefore you lose offense. But he wants them to be more aggressive on defense, and he believes that if they change the style of offense and they aren't coming down and just jacking up threes early in the shot clock, that the depth that they, they added <clears throat> with guys like Snell and McLemore who can shoot the three, that that will alleviate, alleviate some pressure off of Damon CJ. And like you said, not score 30, maybe it's 26, maybe it's 27. Maybe instead of CJ scoring 24, it's 20 or 21 because those points are spread around the other people. The, the big guy who's going to really probably eat up a lot of those points, I think it's going to be Powell because Powell is going to be in a position where they want him to attack. He's an attacker, man, because he's got bounce. He's got speed, quickness. He's physical. He's tough. He doesn't care. He's got reach. He gets to the rim. He wants to make things happen. They didn't do that a lot this past season because he was kind of getting acclimated to what they did under Stotts. But they're going to change things around of their builds because they want him to attack. They were like next to last or last in paint touches last year. They want to change that. They were last in assists. They want to change that. They were uh, last in uh, wide open threes. They were, I think, had, they were worst in uh, uh, contested threes. They want to change those things. So if you're attacking the basket more and kicking out, you're getting better looks. You're getting different shots for other people. You're taking some pressure off Damon CJ, and then they can expend more energy on defense. Yeah. I mean, real quick, you know, you talk about Powell just real quick. I just want to touch. I feel like the trade that we did for Powell for, for GT uh, midseason was just a advanced upgrade of what GT is going to be in three years. Do you see that? Correct. Yes. I, and I think I think the theory was uh, Trent is going to be he's, Trent is trending like Powell. And in three or four years, it's probably going to be what Powell is now. Um, but they believe Powell has his best basketball ahead of him. Yeah. That Powell is going to be better the next four years than Trent would be. And you've basically got a window of Dame now of him in his absolute prime of about four years, assuming he sticks around for four years. Um, so it makes more sense to go with a Powell who's better than Trent than the way for Trent to blossom into a Powell in three or four yeah, years. Right? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that was absolutely their plan. is, and, and that was one of the smart things about re-signing Hood the way they did. Because remember, Hood had six million left on this deal player option he backed out of it the blazers resigned him to a two-year 21 million dollar deal and some people were wondering why are you giving this guy a raise when he's coming off an achilles heel well they gave him a raise because they wanted a big chunk of change that was tradable mm -hmm. <laughs> and it had a, pl a club option for the second year 
So now basically you have an expiring contract of Hood that you match up with Trent that can get you Powell. Had you just gone into free agency, you never would have gotten Powell. Mm -hmm. You probably would have matched anything offered to Trent, but now you've got Trent at the same deal you had, you had that they ended up with Powell on, but Trent's not as good as Powell. So for all the crying and whining about Neil, Neil Ose, and I don't know if you guys didn't get to that yourself, <laughs> that was a freaking genius move. Like it just was for a small market team to make that maneuver, to put yourself in a position to get a guy that you would never get in free agency was, was pretty smart. And we'll see how it pays off. But he's he's good, man. Like he's a really good player. And he's one, it's one of those situations where he was a second round pick. He wasn't a lottery pick, right? He was a backup for a long time. He was in G League. So your impression of, impression of him is not of this guy who's supposed to be a star. But if you just watch him play, and you think about the fact he's just entering his prime, he could end up being a huge get for this team as they move forward, especially now that he's gonna have training camp with these guys. The system's gonna include him in the process. It's gonna be a huge move for them, I believe. Yeah, that offense is gonna be- Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tim, sorry. No, 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 please. Uh, that offense is gonna include him from the very beginning. Chauncey Billups is gonna go into training camp running plays for him and not and that just makes a huge difference in in the dynamic of the team and i think that you know to your point a lot of the stuff that they say about neil and and you know i've said this before and i'm vocal that i think that he's a diva but i don't think that he's a bad gm i don't think he's a bad gm <laughs> he was a soap star he was a soap star <laughs> yeah or so you know uh and you know we yeah. talked about blazers twitter and they have some unrealistic expectations uh, I'm a big hater of the ESPN trade machine and all the stuff that they do with our six team <laughs> trades and stuff like that. But, you know, I get it and I know where they're coming from. But as far as looking at what we're able to do, I mean, it, Portland being able to remain as competitive as they have has always been impressive to me. Right. I agree. No, I agree. And, and my view on this comes from, you know, 15 years ago. Like I've always said, they're going to have trouble ever attracting a free agent or getting a major star in a trade like they just are but when they got roy when they got aldridge then they looked into odin it was like oh snap like this could be a trio that brings you a title but roy's knee broke down and then odin you know it, it, everyone cries about not having durant but it's not not having durant is not the issue it's not even the issue of not having jordan the biggest issue was you got zero out of Bowie at odin had those two just been 17 and 9 and good rim protectors they would have fulfilled a role that would have helped you contend but you got zero out of those guys that's what kills the most so when everything fell off from that era it became okay so now you have to rebuild through the draft it's good they got that pick um from the nets for uh what's his face god who they traded for gerald the nets to get the pick gerald Wallace. yeah gerald mm -hmm. yeah i was just talking about him the other day and now i can't remember his, his name anyway um that was that was great and they got a star out of it awesome but unless you can hit on every pick. See, when you hit on a pick like Dame, now you're better, so you're gonna pick later, and it's hard to hit on picks in the teens and the 20s. And so, I just, I mean, I just was saying this for you, it's gonna be really, really difficult for them to ever contend with a six foot two guard as your best player. By the way, only two teams have won a championship in the last 50 years, in which their best player was a small guard, Curry and Golden State Isaiah and Thomas Isaiah in Thomas in Detroit. There's a reason why it's only happened twice in 50 years. And guess how many teams have won a championship with your best two players being small guards? The bad boy Pistons, one of the greatest defensive teams of all time, and Dumars played elite level defense. So this is something that has only happened once in 50 years, but somehow Old Chase wants to pull you know, a rabbit out of the hat and make it happen in Portland in an era, mind you, where the major stars you would like to get to make that happen are all buddy-buddy joining up in different cities. 
right? So yep. it's, yeah, it's just a really, really difficult hill to climb. Uh, but, you know, they, they've at least been a playoff team. They're fun. They're always entertaining, right? So you have to give them credit for that, I think, at least. Absolutely. And thank you for, for continually hitting on these amazing <laughs> transitions and segues into my next questions. Uh, you, you mentioned the players these days, these these superstars. They're, they're all buddy-buddy and wanting to team up on these quote-unquote super teams. What's your opinion on these super teams? <sighs> so annoying. They're so... Yeah, is it a bad look? Is it I... a bad look for the league, though, you think, in the long run? You, you know what? I think it is for a, a certain segment of fans, but it seems to me that a lot of fans, especially the younger fans, aren't really bothered by it. I think they kind of like it because they could all jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> like, yeah. your team's always the champion, right? You just go where all your stars, your favorite stars go. I mean, uh, some some people would argue that there have always been super teams, though. Right. And no, there have. But it's how they're put together. Like, someone mentioned the Lakers once. Okay. Mm-hmm. The 80s Lakers, right? <clears throat> The Lakers traded for Kareem. The year before the Lakers got Kareem, they won 32 games, I think. So they weren't any good. Then they get Kareem. Of course, you get Kareem, you're going to be better, right? They drafted Magic. They drafted Worthy. So that became a super team, but it wasn't like they had won 65 games in the championship and then won 73 games, and then Kareem joined them, right? (laughs) Which is what happened with Durant and Golden State. Same thing with the Celtics. The Celtics made Celtics made traded number one overall pick in the draft for McHale and Parrish. Yeah, for the third pick in Parrish. And then drafted McHale or something like that. And then they drafted Bird. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, the bad boy Pistons, were they a super team? I wouldn't really classify them as super team. But again, they drafted those guys. The Bulls drafted Jordan, Grant, and, and Pippen. They traded for Cartwright. <clears throat> but Cartwright wasn't a marquee superstar. He was a solid center. They got Robin, but no one wanted Robin. Right. right. That's what people crack me up when they bring up Rodman. No one wanted Rodman. Because he was a time bomb. Yeah, he was <laughs> rainbow hair and he was just acting a fool. But the Bulls figured that they could corral him in with Jackson and Jordan and it worked out. So those were super teams that, <clears throat> you know, I think were built more organically. Even, you know, when Shaq went to L.A., L.A. wasn't that any good when they got Shaq. Kobe was a baby and they grew up. But like there, the Spurs, right? they drafted um, D-Rob. Duncan, Ginobili, Parker. Parker, so, and then Kawhi. Yeah. Now, they did, luck, they did luck into Duncan, but again, that's not running out and grabbing free agents to become a super team. So, what, you know, now people can say, okay, so the real manufactured super team first happened with uh, Boston, right? Because Mikhail sends his buddy, Ainge, Garnett, then they mm-hmm. go out and get Allen. So, yeah, you can make that case. And then that, of course, put LeBron in a bad situation because he couldn't beat them by himself. So then he joins up with his boys in Miami and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so, you know, who we want to blame or how we want to classify, it's cheesy. It just is. Like, I have no respect for Durant's championships. Not that Durant gives a rat's ass what Aaron Fentress thinks, and he shouldn't. <laughs> like, he shouldn't give a damn what I think. But mm-hmm. I boycotted, I, I virtually boycotted those two years of basketball. Like, I bear, this is not a lie. I, I watched maybe three quarters of the finals that first year. It was so uninteresting to me. There was no way you take a 73-win team and take the second-best team in the league and put them on that team, they're not going to win the title. So where's the drama? Now, the next year, the Houston series was kind of interesting, obviously, but it just it just, it just just left a bad taste in my mouth. So 
yeah, I, I think it's boring. I, I think it's not very interesting. The whole thing in Brooklyn, even like I picked them to win if everyone was healthy, but I was hoping they wouldn't win because yeah. why is Harden going there when you already have Kyrie and Durant? Like spread the talent around. This is why NFL is king. NFL is king because every team can win. No one stacks their team. Players don't run around to play with their BFFs and go to only big markets. Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers was an NBA player, he wouldn't be in Green Bay. He'd have left a long time ago, right? He's if an LA Pat boy Mahomes, anyway. If Pat Mahomes were an NBA player, he'd be waiting for his contract to get out to get the hell out of Kansas City, <laughs> right? That, but that's why NFL is king, I think, is because there's parity and you build your teams the right way. The NBA is just crazy, but people love it. They love the soap opera of it. But if you're a small market like Portland, it screws you. You have to hit light. You have to get lightning in a bottle two or three times to become players and hope people get injured, which is what happened Milwaukee. with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Milwaukee struck lightning with Giannis and they struck lightning with the trade to get them uh, Middleton. So Giannis and Middleton, and then they're able to add Holiday and then a bunch of people got hurt and they won the title. But if, if LeBron and AD are healthy, if Brooklyn's healthy, they're not winning the championship. No yeah, way. If KD doesn't have a size 27 foot. They don't even win that series. <laughs> I mean, they, they went seven in a series with the Nets in which Harden and Kyrie missed a combined seven games. And that's not to take anything away from and the Bucks. I enjoy the Bucks. I like the Bucks. Yeah, that's fine. But they, they only won because of injuries to, to a super team. They got lucky. Yeah. I mean, you, you could think of, we could have had a super team too, like you brought up with Roy, Aldridge, and Odin. If everyone was healthy, yeah. we could have we could have been making a run for a championship. But, you know, I know. the injury bug struck us hard like it always does, you know. Yeah. As soon, was, as soon as Odin's knees went out, it seemed like we lost Prisbilla right after. Then we lost we lost a couple other guys and then Roy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See, see, and that would have been a potential super team that was built all through the draft. The top three guys were all through the yeah. draft, right? And that, been, that would have been cool to see. I mean, that, that when, they, when, they, when they won that lottery, I mean, I'm thinking you're getting the next Robinson Ewing impactful center to go along with Roy and Aldridge. You're going to be a contender. There's just no way you're not going to be. And see, part of me believes that a lot of the the venom and negativity that is thrown at Olshay for not magically pulling Kawhi or Durant out of his ass, right, comes from the fact that now the Blazers have experienced 40 plus years of straight up bad luck. I mean, think about it. You win the title with Walton, then he's, his body falls apart, right? You're contenders with Drexler, but Lakers beat you, Detroit beat you, Bulls beat you. You know, you were good enough, but you were just in the wrong era. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the West Finals against Duncan and, and Robinson. Well, you're not going to beat them. Then you blow a 15-point lead to the Lakers. Then the next year, your team implodes because Trader Bob wants to just stack the <laughs> roster, and you have all this, you know, all these people who are pissed off about their playing time and all these egos, right? Then you get Roy and, uh, and Aldridge, and then Odin and Roy fall apart. You know, so all these bad things have happened. And plus, Durant goes on to become a star. You could have had him instead of Odin. So I, yeah. I just think it's 43 years of frustration that's all zeroed in on Olshay right now because he can't somehow do something that's never been done. Bring a marquee free agent or a superstar in a trade to Portland. The biggest, who's the biggest trade ever in Portland history? Pippen, he was 34, yeah. right? On the decline, Downside for sure, yeah. Right. I'm going with, it was, good, it was a trade, decent trade though. I'm going to go with. No, it was a great trade because he was a glue guy that helped you but he wasn't yeah. he wasn't superstar scotty pippen anymore but that's your yeah. biggest in 43 years who's your biggest trade or free agent acquisition is it 
Norman Powell, maybe? <laughs> Does he count? Or is it Kenny Anderson? I mean, that's Ooh. not, you know, it's it's tough. Big Kenny Anderson yeah, fan. Yeah, that's true. And and I just I just <laughs> want to get real about KD real quick because it doesn't matter if we went with KD anyway. He'd have been gone in four years. Well, I mean, maybe. If they didn't win. I mean, but... Well, uh, he was in he was in Oklahoma City for eight, wasn't he? Okay, let's get okay. We'll give it eight years then. Either way, well, he's still leaving. <laughs> well, know, I mean, I mean the, that but they lost their pieces well, as do, they went though. But do KD and Aldridge contend? If KD and Aldridge contend, then and they are, and they're able to build around them accordingly, then if they're contenders, I don't think he leaves. I, I mean, one of the reasons he clearly left was that he didn't want to play with Westbrook, which I kind of get. I. I didn't. I wasn't mad at him for leaving OKC. I was mad that he went to the Warriors. I mean, come yeah. on, dude. Yeah. You guys, you guys ever played pickup basketball in the park? Of course. This is what <laughs> I'm I like. Playing it. tomorrow. This is what <laughs> I like. When I was a kid, and we go to the park and play pickup basketball, right? There'd always be three or four dudes there who were clearly the best, right? They were the best on the on the junior teams, and you know they were going to be high school stars, right? They were the best, and they would always team up together and just run the court all day. And I would just mock them. I'd be like, of course you guys would win it. You're the best people out here. You know, pick a, you know, don't just stack your team. So I hated that stuff as a kid. And that's how I feel Durant, what Durant did. I'm gonna leave the second best team in the league, or no, the second best team in the West, third best team in the league, and go to the second best team in the league, arguably first. I mean, they lost to Cleveland, but they're arguably the first. And just, just, just destroying the only team that can run with them and making that team unbeatable. That to me is just cheesy. So I just hate that he did that. I don't hate that he left necessarily, but I do think him and Aldridge would have been a pretty formidable duo and he might've stayed longer in Portland. I hear that. I hear that. Um, let's talk about trades and shakeups because that's that's something that's on everybody's mind with the fact that we have three undersized guards. Do you foresee <laughs> a trade happening between one of those three Dame, guards. I mean, obviously, Dame, Dame's staying. Dame's not undersized for a point guard. No, but he's an undersized guard. This is in quotations for those of you who can't see me. <laughs> so we've got we've got three guards, and, right? And you know, it's in my eyes, uh, there there's probably thoughts surrounding a trade in that. But you're the professional here, Aaron. Give us give us your take on it. <laughs> I mean, I've long said that Dave and CJ are not going to win a title together. They're just too small. Um, it's, like I said, I gave you the history lesson on that. I think you guys already knew. But, um, you know, now you've added a third guy, right? So, so I guarantee you no team's ever won a championship <laughs> with a 6'2", 6'3", 6'3", starting starters in their lineup in the last 50 years. I, I, I can pretty much guarantee that's never happened. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, again, it's it's – you take what you can get and they got a really good player who just happens to be a few inches too short <laughs> if you were four inches taller you probably would have been a lottery pick right, right. Same skill. he'd probably be a max player somewhere else and never come to portland mm-hmm. um you know it, it just at the end of the day i'm a firm believer that you know we all know playoff series come down to moments and, and key possessions and if you're trying out the two, three guys who are 6'2", 6'3", 6'3", and the other team has a 6'7", 6'8", wing, defensively and offensively, they're going to have the edge, I think, unless you just shoot lights mm-hmm. out. Here's a funny story. I'm, when I, 
I was I can't remember what game I was covering, but I covered we covered everything from TV this past year because well until the last like eight games of the season. So I'm watching the game in my house, and my wife walks in from the store and she looks at the TV and she goes, "We look really small." <laughs> <laughs> I go, they are. She's a big Blazer fan. I go, they are really small. I think it was a Denver game. I was like, you got a 6'3 guy guarding a 6'10 guy on uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. So yeah, right. they are small. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. It's really tough to win a championship that way, I believe. I mean, how many times this year did you see one of those three drives to the lane and someone taller come over and just swat it? Or exactly. someone taller drive the lane against them and they can't defend it because they're just under I mean, Yeah, what are they going to do? Exactly. So... It's going to be tough. So a a lot of, uh, okay, I've said it many times on previous episodes. I feel like Portland's only, like, true trade piece right now since they did sign Norman Powell has to be C.J. McCollum. And it's not that that we don't like C.J. McCollum here in Portland. It's not like we're saying C.J. is a bad player or whatever. It's just the fact that the simple truth is that's their only legitimate trade piece to bring in something maybe better something maybe not necessarily better than cj but something to better complement the team right no absolutely i mean you could you could always package him too you know you could package Derek. you know yeah. making almost 10 mil roko's making 12 you know 13 so that's a 23 mil trade piece right there you know but a lot a lot of people like to do the two for one so you know there's other options well, yeah but what who, ben, but who's gonna give you a 25 million dollar player for those two Ben's hitting that ESPN trade machine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, trade accepted. What? Pascal Siakam. All right. Well, Aaron, you know where I stand. I, I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons. Oh, dude, did you read my article on Ben Simmons? I wrote. I saw that. I did. I deal deep into that, dude. I love the idea of getting Ben Simmons. Now, I've been told by some people with the Blazers that they don't feel Simmons necessarily would fit well with, with Dame because Ben Simmons thinks he's Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. He wants the ball. He wants to be the point guard. Is Dame willing to play the Allen Iverson role and be a six foot two two guard opposite Ben Simmons? I'm of the mind you just make it work. You figure it out, right? You you just run different sets that require different things. Because Simmons is a is a pretty good post player. Um, and he's amazing in transition. Imagine him getting a rebound and not outletting it to Dame. But Dame and whoever else is on the court just takes off, and then Simmons just takes off. Well, who's stopping Ben Simmons in transition? Nobody. And if they if they collapse with two or three people on him to stop him, what's he going to do? He's going to pass it out. He led the NBA in assisted threes last year, so he's going to pass it out to Dame or whoever else is on the team to shoot a wide open three. So, and plus he gives you defense, right? And he's six eleven, right? So to me, Dame Powell, uh, Covington, Ben Simmons, Nurk, you make it work. That team beats the current starting five you have. And I also believe that CJ with Embiid and Tobias Harris beats Ben Simmons with Tobias. The the play that did, like, for all the crying and whining about Ben Simmons in game seven, yes, he didn't shoot the ball. He was bad at free throws. He had 13 assists. But the the game came down to Embiid getting the ball at the three-point line and trying to make a move and spin. And then he got, he got, Stripped for his eighth turnover of the game. <laughs> Why they have their center trying to make that move? Because they don't have a guy who can create and get their own shot. Well, CJ can do that. So to me, that's like, to me, that's a no-brainer trade for both. Yeah, teams. that's addition by but, subtraction for Philly. Right, but Definitely. Ben Simmons running around the country saying, "I don't want to be important." And there you go. There's my. There's another example of a star who yeah. doesn't want to come. Case to closed. 
you know, once that's said, case closed. Right. Are you going to trade for a guy who doesn't want to be there? Now, if you say, screw it, we're going to do it anyway. I mean, you can, and you hope Dame can smack him around and straighten him out, right? <laughs> Sit him down yeah. and give him a good talking to, him and Billups, right? Um, but the word on the street is that if Philly trades Ben Simmons to Portland, they want Dame. They don't want CJ. They want Dame. So... There you yeah, have. If you can get Simmons, I think Portland has a better starting five than the Lakers, which is what, who I'm picking to take the West right now. What about what about a three that three team trade that was floated out there with Golden State and Philly? You have to tell me the about Draymond it. to us. CJ. See, I don't know. I don't think Draymond's leaving Golden State ever. <clears throat> I think he would fit well. Wow. I, I mean, am I the people in disagreement with me? No, most people agree with you. I I don't see it, but I say that humbly admitting that I probably am not getting it. (laughs) Not that everyone else is wrong. And I very, really, rarely will admit something like this. So take this as a privilege. But it's like one of those things where I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just, it's just weird to me. And plus he's aging. Uh, I'd much rather have Simmons, but... No, I think I think the argument can be made. One, he's a facilitator. He likes to pass. Look what he's done with Curry. Like he's gonna do that the same things he would do for Dame. He plays defense, he's smart, he orchestrates, he holds people accountable. Like I think there's a, a lot of reasons to believe that if you go Dame, Powell, Green, Covington, that's a better team. So yeah, but I'd much rather have Simmons uh just because he's younger and uh, has more upside. And I do think I I honestly believe he's gonna improve his offense. Like he's never gonna be a great score, but I do think it's going to improve um, as, because I think he's been humbled a little bit. He, he was embarrassed. And I think, you know, you would hope that that makes him work more in his game. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. As far as green goes, I mean, I don't, I don't think green makes you a better team, but I don't think he, he takes you into that upper echelon. Uh, whereas I think like what you said, Aaron, if, if Ben gets better at knocking down a few open jumpers and maybe hitting some more free throws, I think that possibly takes you to the next the next level just because I, yeah. I mean defense alone takes you to the next level. Right. I agree. I, I think I I think that's a move that changes the complexion of their team to the point where okay, I think you would have to say you're a you're a threat now. Um <clears throat> one thing that trips me out about Blazers Twitter is that though some people will just bash Dame or dash excuse me, bash TJ. And then say, why can't they trade him for star? <laughs> you're just talking badly about the guy. But here, talk about your consummate professional, though. Here's a guy who has to know that people are talking about they need to trade him. Fans are dissing him. You know, these moron reporters are writing articles that he should be traded for Ben Simmons, right? <laughs> so, but he just handles it all like a pro, man. He just he just knows that's just part of the game. That's part of the, that's part of the world. If he's traded, he's traded. If he's not, he's not. He's still making thirty mil. Right, 30 it's the business, spend, right? Thirty mil spends in Portland as well as it spends in Philly. Hell, <laughs> better than Philly. I don't know if Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania might tax, be better. Uh, state tax, right? right. Exactly. Uh, so no I give kidding. him major props for how yeah, he handles I mean, things. That, that dude's an well, we take that for CJ, granted around CJ here is too. Big. CJ is a big diversifier of his portfolio, you know, with his wine business. You know, his wife just graduated dental school. You know, she's got her own her own income coming in, just building her empire herself. Not thirty million you know. a year, Ben. Hey, man, she's <laughs> she's doing her thing though. I give her props too still for her. that. You know, still doing it herself. She's not living off yeah. that. Um, but now CJ, you know, 
it's it would be like it, I think it would be sad from a franchise standpoint to see him traded, but I do believe that it would be the right thing if it's for the right person. You know, what I mean, for everybody involved, even for CJ. I mean, if you sent him to a horrible team, that wouldn't be right. But I, I just think it's going to be difficult for them to ever contend together. Right. Do you think? Do you think we might see CJ get off to the hot start he got off to before his injury last season? I don't see why not. Now I will say that you know the volume might be different because of the Powell situation and the change in how the offense moves. But mm-hmm. I, I think that I think ultimately that that if they really do uh, look to move the ball around more and penetrate more, I think that's just going to lead to better looks. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe fewer for some people. They're going to get better looks. So maybe higher percentage. But no, to answer your question, yeah. I mean, he he was going to be an all star. Oh, he was, absolutely. He was shooting forty four from three and averaging twenty eight or something like that. He yeah. Was, I, he, he had ridiculous productivity for sure yeah he looked uh, comfortable and so like just at ease with what he was doing um so yeah i i expect him to come back you know roaring and ready to roll they're gonna be dynamite offensively no doubt about that they're gonna score points a ton of points mm-hmm. what? yeah i think you're right i think the real question comes down to how good their defense is gonna be and hopefully hopefully chauncey can take them to that next level because we're all we're all hoping and praying and wishing, right? Yeah, just at least be respectable. You know, Olshay made the point in his press conference after after Stotts was gone that you know they ranked down there with teams that were tanking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? and he's right. If you look at the bottom five teams, it's like in defense, like Cleveland, Orlando, Washington. Well, Washington made the playoffs. Uh, Minnesota, like it was just horrible. And there was Portland. How did Portland get down there? So you know, again, just get up to twelve. You know, just get up to twelve, thirteen. Just be respectable respectable excuse me, defense and i think that changes the complexion of, of this franchise yeah so so aaron recently you were at you went to vegas right and checked yeah. out some of these summer league games yeah i gotta ask you man you think this newbie is gonna get any playing time greg brown uh so he billups is big on well one he wants to be really mobile and athletic okay so like when Millsap was thrown out there as a potential yes you know, uh get for yeah for the tax paper payer mid-level um you know i was told by some blazer sources that and i didn't i see never i didn't talk to bills about this i talked to a couple other people about it but they were saying how based on what they understood of what billups wants to do they don't really want an older sort of lumbering half court guy mm-hmm. they want who can move and so that's so they're going to be more prone to want to put even someone uh, Jones Jr. at the four if they need to the backup Covington yes. or a mm-hmm. little right just to be, remain athletic so they can rotate better on defense and get after people um, and run you know they, so they don't want guys out there who are going to slow those things down I think that's you know a reason why probably Melo didn't fit in their plans although Melo delivered as a three-point shooter clearly did not play good defense and also let's face it the you know <laughs> I want I want to know if there was some back back backroom handshake deal that he would get like five or six one-on-one post-up boots. <laughs> yes. Because he would just get the, like, he'd get the, like, my, my thing, I think I tweeted this one night, he should get three deeks a post-up and he has to pass if he doesn't have any open. YMCA style. <laughs> give a move, yeah. give a move, fade away, right? <laughs> give a move, give a move, step back, spin, something like, dude, no, you're not, you're not open past the ball. So that's not going to happen. Those, those are, those are uh, offense stoppers, right? And mm-hmm. I think Carmel added a lot to the team. I'm not taking anything away from him, but that part of the game was just a little weird for me. So that's going to be gone. 
But you know uh, what? So, he was a huge no. get for the vet minimum. Like, no, 100%. Like I said, he added a lot to the team. I'm just saying that he doesn't fit what Billups wants to do. So, and I have a tendency to do this. I go around the block to get to answer your question. Like I can answer <laughs> it just right at the front door. But <laughs> Billups wants to play young guys. And so if Brown can demonstrate that he understands the defense, he's not going to play because of offense. He's not right. a great shooter, right? He can run, obviously. They want him to play defense, be athletic, and then get out in transition. Then I think he could see some minutes. However, pretty deep at the forward spot. I mean, if you're going to play Jones, if you're going to play Nasir, you got Covington, you got Powell. That makes Jones or Brown at best the fifth. And then, well, no, and then you got Snell, who they yeah. want to play, who they like as a, as a decent defender who is going to light it. And could you imagine, like, if they're really moving the ball around and you got Dame and CJ, out there or Damon Powell or whatever combination of the guards are out there and you got uh Snell at the three, what kind of looks he's gonna get, how wide open they're gonna be. We oh, saw yeah. Covington kind of looks last year and shoot 38% of career. Snell's gonna shoot 59% from the, <laughs> that type of situation. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up Nasir because uh what it was what maybe right before the game started, uh the summer games started. Um the Blazers take, announced that uh, Nasir was not. Yeah, they took him off the roster, right? No, I never got to the bottom of that. You didn't, okay? Because to me, to me, that's telling me that okay, they see enough from Nasir that you know they they've they've already carved out a game plan for him. They they, they know how many minutes they're going to give him, or he had an injury. Right. I never heard anything about an injury. Um, I I know there was a lot of talk about freeing up minutes for the young guys. Um, I don't, just in general, because I really wanted to play uh, the the two way guy Tr Trendon. Oh Trendon, Trendon, yeah. Or what? What is it Trendon and, Watford? Watford, is that right? yeah, Trendon Watford. Yeah, he's a pretty athletic kid too. And then Brown. So yeah, I never, you know, yeah, I never, it just I was too busy dealing with other stuff. I didn't even think about it. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I do agree with your theory. Like you know, at, at at some point, does summer league benefit you that much? To where well, I really mean, the guy didn't really get regular minutes throughout the regular season though so it's not like true i mean the obviously the the coaching staff the the, the other players they know what they're gonna get from nasir because they see him all the time but like as a as a fan like we didn't really see much that's because that's because terry what we saw, didn't know how to utilize him man well and and terry didn't like playing young guys he does not like young guys so i was surprised ant got back in oh the my rotation they came back no and ant disappeared like he won a dunk contest he shoots 43 percent from three cj comes back and it's like they sent ant off to like alaska to like snowfish <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden he got back in rotation i was like oh and he put it up yeah you know ant. speaking of a guy that fell out of the rotation do you know why derrick jones jr did oh, not play huge mystery too um Stotts would never really say um, the only thing I've been able to glean from any conversations I've had was that offensively he was just such like he he could he couldn't shoot right yeah. and there you know, things that they were doing offensively were going to lead to the small forward getting shots right mm -hmm. and Covington could shoot Carmelo when he played the three or four could shoot Powell could shoot so if you're giving up minutes Jones just gets lost you know in the wash. it's, un it's so, unfortunate because I feel like they just didn't utilize him the right way. But I feel like Jones Jones I mean, worked can, well off the ball, though. You, you always see him go, cutting up and down that baseline, you know, getting that behind-the-back pass or something like that, and he goes up, like, you know, 
mid-range to underneath the hoop so he's in his he's in his range you know i mean it, it, right. maybe he's not not playing where he wants to play or where they're telling him to play but you know you know that that argument can be made but it, you know when you're doing a rotation the minutes get eaten up pretty quickly you know if, if powell's giving you you know 34 and covington plays some three and Melo plays some three and nasir's get like it just those 46 minutes after three disappear pretty quickly so it's sometimes you, someone gets gets you know the short end of the stick but i have a feeling that because of the way he plays defense and the energy he brings i have a feeling he's gonna play under bills but again you know there's not a ton of minutes to go around so it's gonna be tough for him to get on the court the, the other thing about jones too i think his most valuable aspect to this team is that he has a contract that's expiring you know the blazers wanted him to pick up that option yeah because that now you have another 10 million dollar piece to move at the trade deadline and unlike last year at, tra at the trade deadline you have a first round pick in that year's draft so they're going to be able to go into the trade deadline with an expiring contract of his and who knows i mean if it's the right player covington's got an expiring contract Nurk has an expiring oh. contract yeah. right yeah um, and you got your pick and then you got your first round pick in 2020 uh so it'll be 2024 um, that you can dangle out there as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jones on the court and with his contract maybe getting moved at the trade deadline. All right, Aaron, I'm going to pivot here for a minute. Uh -oh. I want to ask your opinion on something because I think I think I know what you're going to say. Uh -huh. or at least I think I know where, where your head may be at because I think you're kind of an old head like we are when it comes to basketball. Okay. Um the NBA just announced recently that they're instituting a new rule change regarding the use of non-basketball maneuvers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your take on that? Um, I, uh, I, I do think it's incredibly cheesy when some of these guys get bumped and then just throw the ball at the rim and try to act like it was a shot. Dame does it a lot. Harden so does it a lot. It's like, come on. And then they will do it and then be pissed when they don't call a foul. Yeah. Just, come on, bro. You are not shooting that ball <laughs> until he bumps you and then you threw it up. So, yeah, I don't – I've never liked that at all. I, I think it's just corny. Um, it's manipulating the rules. Now, Trey Young is kind of a master of it. There was one that Nash was pissed about that, that actually went viral for a while that I thought was BS. I thought Trey had someone behind him and he slowed up and then jumped straight up and the guy bumped him. I think you can slow down if you want to. If someone's mm -hmm. running, chasing me from behind and I slow down, they run me over, that's on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't stay off me, run to the side, don't get on my back. Because if you're, if you're small like Trey Young and you get into the lane and someone's behind you, what are they waiting for you to do? Go for a shot so they can swat it from behind, right? Right. So of course you're gonna try and use your body. Isaiah Thomas was great at using his body like that mm -hmm. back in the, in the lane. So there are some, legitimate reasons to do some of the things they do but but that you know some of the stuff trey young does that where he jumps to the side or you know this what, yeah, a, what about that what about the devin booker leg kick you know curry's curry's famous for that leg kick oh too. or you remember michael didn't michael porter jr kick yes. uh lillard yep damn near like like bruce lee game nobody of death goes up <laughs> nobody goes up in motion to shoot like that with their leg flailing out like that that's not natural yeah, like yeah it's, it's ridiculous yeah that should be I, I think I even probably tweeted something like that should have been an ejection and like eight throws in the ball or something like that was so blatant. So yeah, I, I'm totally for uh, those changes. So did I say what you thought I would say or you think I would? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Just I I think I think it's that style of play has ruined the game of basketball, or at least hampered it in a way because, like, the, you have these guys out here playing for the foul versus playing to make a bucket, right? And and, and like you said, they're manipulating the rules. Right. I, I mean, obviously it works, but it's just it it takes it takes the excitement out of the game. It slows the pace of play. It's just it it takes a lot out of the game. Uh, now that they're doing that, and so I'm a I'm a big fan of this rule change personally. What about you guys? You two other guys silent over there? Yeah, Eric yeah, we, sitting in we his we pink room. We talked about that last pod, man. I think we were all for it. Everything to increase the consistency in the gameplay of the game. You know, less less foul shots, less stalling of the game, anything like that to keep the motion going. I'm all for it. So, I mean, if they're gonna let it play, you know, obviously they're not gonna call uh, offensive fouls right away. Would be my guess. You know, if they're going to ease into it, unless the NBA is going to just like, like you said last time with the flopping, you know, they started calling the flops yep, and then flopping stopped. So, you know, are these leg kicks going to stop? Are those unnatural motions well, going to go, you know, throwing they, the ball to the hoop? Is it going to stop? They reduced, but there's still some flopping every once in a while. But to your oh, point, definitely. It, 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 yeah. So, you know, we're in agreement. That's boring. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for somebody to start yelling or something. <laughs> that, that, yeah, we're all on the same page on that one, you know, which is which is uh, not normal, but, you know, we'll take it. That's not good for nah. ratings. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll take it, though. Nah. You're good for our ratings, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Ben. You got yeah, something. No, real quick. I know before we got all off the Blazers content, uh, I just really wanted to hit, you know, what we got about. We got 13 players under contract. Do you see us utilizing those extra two spots before the season starts? Uh, if the right situation were to arise, I think they want to remain flexible with their roster positions in case something comes up where they have to take three for two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, they did the same thing and then ultimately brought in Rondé and then Leaf. Oh, yeah, TJ Leaf. Leaf. Man. Yeah, that was... yeah, I mean, but I mean, there's still a couple free agents floating out there, you know, like Laurie Markinen, you know, Millsap we touched on, Matthews, Bradley, yeah. Ed Davis. They can't afford Lowry. Uh, Lowry's got he's going to get at least nine million from the Bulls for the qualifying offer, and Lowry's looking in the Bulls. The Blazers only have the taxpayer mid level, which is five point nine. Yeah, um, yeah they, they're not in the play in the play for Lowry now. In theory, you know. Jones and someone in a sign and trade for Lowry. I think the Bulls actually Jones, someone in a pick, and then you sign and trade the Bulls sign and trade Lowry because the Bulls want picks and they've given away all their picks for the next twenty five years. I'm not very happy about it. Although I like, I'm a Bulls. <laughs> yeah. Why so, uh, I like the moves they made, but they they mortgage their future for sure. But I'm told that there's not going to be a Lowry move. That they're they're not going to go they're not going to go deeper into the tax. Uh, unless it's for someone significant that really is going to make a difference. Low- Lowry marketing, okay, he's not going to start. He probably plays 20 minutes a game. He's a nice player. Again, I'm a Bulls fan. I know all, all about Lowry marketing. You're not going to do a swing of sign trade to bring him in and then go deeper into the tax for a guy who's going to come well, off the bench. Well, he wants, what, right? 18 million? Is that, that, I mean, that was his asking price? He wants something. Like, he was. He thought he thinks he actually was a star. Like it's just like a, like Schroeder, like Schroeder thought he was a star. You got benched by back-to-back coaches, <laughs> and somehow you think you're gonna get in the teens. 
in the like who do you think you are dude it's just bizarre mm -hmm. to me but mm -hmm. yeah, i think he's gonna stick out and, and become a free, unrestricted free agent next summer and sort of see what happens but no i mean i think i think just adding someone to add someone like right now if you look at their roster the only other than the young the brown and trent is going to be two-way anyway like brown ellaby are the only two guys who probably aren't going to play much and the other 11 all have a shot or is it, are you counting trending? You're not counting trending no, in 13, no, right? No, 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 he doesn't count. No. But the other seven all have a shot for PT. So where do you fit someone in? Like, you're going to have a 12th guy who has a shot for PT? Why? Who is it, who is it that's going to really fit what you want to do um, and make that big of a difference? And as, as much grief as people gave the Blazers and mocked them for Zeller and McLemore and Snell, those guys are going to fit a niche, right? They're going to use them in a way that maximizes what they do well. And Zeller is a better defender than Cantor. He just is when he's healthy. Uh, my boy <laughs> right? Cantor, yeah. man. He was my MVP last year. Dude, Cantor is the greatest cat yeah. ever, dude. Like that. I mean, it's I I enjoyed covering him. But dude had a 143 defensive rating against the Nuggets. <laughs> I mean, they the Blazers basically went to an undersized forward as a backup center and played Carmelo at center to keep Cantor off the court. Which is, you know, equally bad defensively. <laughs> right, exactly. But it, but it wasn't as bad as Cantor. Um, so Zeller is going to be upgraded in that area. And Snell and McLemore can shoot and make plays. Um, so, yeah, I don't see – they're not going to sign someone just to sign someone. And unless there's a major trade that – I mean, who knows? There, some player somewhere could be like – I hate this place. Get me out of here. And then boom, you can make a deal. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen until maybe the treadline deadline. Who knows? Before we move on. Yeah. You mind if I chime in, Tim? No, do it, please. Someone that we haven't touched on that I think is vital to Portland's success this season is Yusuf Nurkic. And I don't know why he fell out of favor with Terry Stotts. I mean, his play in the bubble uh, was really, really good. And I know that he came into camp a little unhealthy after his grandma had passed away and he was dealing with some personal stuff. Then he broke his hand or wrist, but it doesn't seem like Terry ever went back to him on a regular basis. You mean offensively? Yeah. So, I mean, where's he going to fit in with, I mean, I, I personally saw him as the best defensive player on Portland, you know? Oh yeah. He's, he came back with a defense change. So, but offensively, it just seemed like he didn't get the touches. The ball didn't move through him. Uh, I also think he's probably the best passer and he's the guy that Derek Jones Jr. would have benefited the most from playing with. So not only did Jones mm -hmm. not play, but he also took the ball out. Uh, I mean, Stotts also took the ball out of Nurkic's hands and kind of made him, you know, a, just another piece out there instead of a piece that was being used regularly. How do you see that changing right. with Stotts? Or, I mean, sorry, with Billups? Yeah, so, you know, Nurkic... In the post game after the Denver loss, made it clear he wanted a different role. Right, he was clearly upset with his roles. You know, he was asked, "Are you going to come back?" He said, "I don't know." And I'm like, well, "You're under contract. You're coming back." But you, know, <laughs> you wanted some changes. But I, I asked Phillips about that in Vegas, and he said, "You know, one of the things he likes about Nurkic is his passing ability, and he believes that getting him the ball more in the low or the high post, and having guys on the move." and using his passing ability is going to increase post post touches, paint touches, increase the passing and the assists, increase the looks. And so he's totally on board 100% with 
with utilizing what Nurkic brings. And I think that Billups envisions sets where you get the ball to Nurkic and then you have CJ and McCollum and sorry, CJ and Dame and Powell and Covington, all four who can shoot, setting screens for each other, moving around, trying to get people open. And Nurkic, if he's one-on-one in the mismatch, will take the guy to the rack. If he's if he's not in a good situation offensively, unlike Carmelo, he won't pump eight times and shoot. He'll pass it to a cutter. He'll pass it to a shooter. So, yes, Billups said straight up that he definitely wants to utilize those very talents that you just talked about. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited so to see. Have- <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see how, how he utilizes Nurk. And I'm excited to see uh, CJ and Dane playing off ball more. Uh, yeah. But – but I, I got to ask you, you brought up the Bulls. The Bulls. What do you think about Lonzo? <laughs> Love. I've been jonesing for Lonzo for over a year, oh. man. <laughs> Don't tell me you hate Lonzo. I, I personally, these guys are not the biggest fans. Whoa, I'm a, big I'm a fan I just love Lonzo Ball. Do you? Okay. I couldn't remember. Last time, last time we brought up Lonzo, I took heat for saying that he would be a great addition to this team, to, to Portland's team. Um, but, no, I think Lonzo's going to be huge in Chicago. No, I, one, he he does not mind playing defense, which is always nice. He's 6'6". He gives you some size at the point guard position. He runs like a deer. and it, you know He runs the fast break. He loves to get out and run. They didn't do as much of that in New Orleans as he wanted to. He's made several comments about how the Bulls want him to play up-tempo the idea of him and Levine getting out on the fast break with young Patrick Williams, who was just, I think, going to be a beast. Um, Big fan I, of that I, guy, too. And and Lonzo's been getting better every year. Like In L.A., his first two years, he shot 31% from three combined. In New Orleans, he shot about 37, 38. So he's getting better as a shooter. No, I'm I'm all for this. And he's only 23. Like, he's still growing as a player. I think that's, that was a huge get. And the Blazers haven't had a legit point, or excuse me, the Bulls haven't had a point guard since Derrick Rose. And they just haven't. So now you got him to go along with Levine, adding DeRozan, which people are souring on the DeRozan thing. Oh, he's overpaid. He's overpaid. I don't care. He's DeMar DeRozan. And he's not. I love it when people say, oh, you can't shoot the three. Well, he doesn't have to shoot the three. Boosterman shoots the yeah. three. Ball shoots the three. Patrick Williams shoots the three. Levine shoots the three. You got shooters. That guy, though, will take anyone in the league one on one to the rack. Right, and mm-hmm. score at will and any day 11. of the week. Yeah, he averaged seven assists last year in San Antonio, playing some point forward. So no, I think that was a huge get. So I'm I'm very excited as a Bulls fan. I'm talking. I'm thinking a minimum eight p. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only only because of the goat signing, Alex Caruso, right? <laughs> Dude, I love that. Yeah, that guy's a junkyard dog, man. Coming off the bench. Are you kidding me? That was huge. Did you see that video back yes, in his rookie that. year when he was in L.A. and it was like him walking the streets and he's like, yeah, nobody knows who I am. So it's kind of fun to still be able to walk around, you know, and nobody's nobody's bugging. Yeah, him. I know. No in one's L.A. Bugging. He's a little Laker. Yeah, but it, <laughs> he must be. A yeah, yeah, but I mean, you, you also got the up and coming Kobe White, though, man. Uh, Kobe, no? man, Kobe White. Uh, he's a enigma. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I'm not giving up on. He's definitely not a point guard, right? Yeah. He's he's a shooting guard. And he's six five, so he can get away with it. But that's what they need to let him just be. Don't stop trying to make him a point guard. Let him just be a scorer. Mm-hmm. In, in, in with Lonzo coming in, he'll come off the bench. 
the second unit. He'll be able to shoot as much as he wants. <laughs> well, how many how many teams in the league actually have legitimate point guards anymore, though? Maybe a handful. I mean, they're all combo guards, right? It seems like it, doesn't it? But you mm-hmm. gotta have some playmaking skills. Like you have to have some court vision, and that's the thing with Simons. I'm a big Anthony Simons guy. Like I believe if he were somewhere else that needed a guard, a scoring guard, and or a point guard, I still don't think he's gonna thrive as a point guard yet. Mm-hmm. But he's if, a two. If you gave him the ball and let him do whatever he wanted to do, he's gonna put up crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that he's gonna benefit from the change in offense too, because Scotts basically just wanted him to shoot threes, and he used to drive me bananas. Right. Like, I don't want. I want to see him take people off the dribble. Not like he gets someone one on one and do like a little crossover and jack up a three. I'm like, no, yeah. run kid, right by the guy and fly down the lane and dunk on something. Yeah, kid, kid just won the dunk contest. Stop shooting yeah. threes. He had two in-game dunks <laughs> last season. Yeah, two. he had more. He had more dunks in the dunk contest than he had during the season. I don't think that's a joke. I think no, he had two. No, he had, I think you're he right. He had two in-game dunks. There you go. He had more dunks in the dunk contest than he did. In the games he actually played. Well, me, all I'm saying is he was a participant in the dunk contest, not the three point shootout. So obviously right. you're not playing him the right way. No, and, I, and like there were times too when he would get either a long rebound or someone would get a rebound and flick it to him right away, and he would look up court and then just bring it up. And I'm like, dude, why are you not running like a bat out of hell and attacking the defense? You're so fast and athletic. And I think that's because Stotts didn't want him to do that. And so, and I've talked to some people about this, where they're like, yeah, Stotts basically, you're a great three-point shooter. I want you shooting the three, because they were all about the three. That's going to change under Billups. I think I think we're going to see more of what Anthony Simons really brings to the table. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got one more question for you, and then we're going to finish up with a little, a little ridiculous game we always do at the end. Okay. I know, I know we're running short on time here, but last, last legitimate question. Somewhat legitimate. <laughs> I like how you qualify. You're your no legitimate question. <laughs> yeah. Your Chicago Bulls fan. We gotta know. Jordan averages how many points in today's game? As many as he wants to. You think he still dominates? Oh my god, are you kidding me? So I'm just asking because you're the Bulls fan here. I've made the statement before Jordan would average 45. And people were like, well, you're crazy. Well, he averaged 37 in 1987-88. Right? Much back more physical. When, back when they checked you in, like the average score back then was under 200 combined, whereas now it's like 230 or whatever. Or excuse, yeah, 230 combined, I think. Um, with the shooters you have now spreading the floor. And so, so back then when he would drive the lane, you, you could have a power forward or center and the guy guarding you. Now, a lot of times, one of the, at least one of those big guys is out of the lane because you got to stretch four, stretch five. You're opening things up. So if James Harden can average 35 today, right? If, if Westbrook can get 30-something in a triple-double today, you're telling me those guys touch Michael Jordan? Now, Harden's a better three-pointer than Michael Jordan, but I think Michael Jordan in a three-point era would have focused more on that. That wasn't the thing to focus on back then. He wasn't awful at it, but it wasn't the thing. But no, who's no one's guarding him one-on-one in the NBA. And when he takes people into the lane, he's kicking it back out to shooters. He'd be unstoppable. He would legitimately score as many points as he'd want to score. Whether people want to, like, people say, oh, offense is so much better today. I mean, maybe it is, but also I mean, defense horrible they, today. Yeah, they put up more points, but that's because defense is awful. Right. Most and teams be- can't play defense. And because people shoot so many threes and it opens things up so much. So, um, as a matter of fact, I, I in my Billups article the other day, <clears throat> The okay, in, in Chauncey Billups, the year they won the title with Detroit, 
only two teams in the league average over 100 points a game. This past year, the last place team in scoring averaged 103. Think about the <laughs> era. That's from 2004 to now, 17 years. Go back to the 80s when Pistons were winning games 88, 85, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So you spread things out for Jordan. Oh, my God. Yeah, he scores at will. No one stopped that guy. Yeah, I'm for it. So, yeah, I'm so, yeah, if he wanted to score 45, he would. But, that's, but, that's the answer I expected from you, honestly. <laughs> but the thing is, like, the right answer. If he's on a great team and you're winning a lot of games, you're probably not going to average 45 because you're not going to be in the court long enough or needed to. Yeah. Right. So I don't think he actually necessarily would because it wouldn't be needed, but he could score as many points as he wanted to on any given night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say you're saying that he's just going to dominate the same way, if not more so, than he did oh, previously. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan. Let's 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 put it to bed right now. Goat, Bron or Jordan? Click. <laughs> uh, Jordan, of course. Of course. Of course, I just needed you on record saying it. That's all. Record. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna start asking every guest we have now, and if they say LeBron, they're just off. They can't come back. They don't get to play props. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they don't get to play props exactly. Three years ago, I'm on Twitter and I see people talking about the goat argument and saying LeBron's the goat, and I was just horrified. I was just like, oh, what? I was clutching my pearls. Right? <gasps> what is what is this madness? What is happening here? We should have done a video. Twitter and I'm like, people are freaking seriously saying this. I damn near lost my mind. Like I cannot believe it's even a debate. Now if I now I I respect the hell out of LeBron James. Oh. He is an amazing player. And I don't think it's an insult to at least have the talk, but to me, no, I'm sorry. Michael Jordan would have never choked against Dallas like he did. Michael Jordan would have never run to, oh, I lost the Pistons, so I'm gonna go join the Pistons, or I'm gonna go, hey, call Ewing and Barkley, meet me in Miami. Like, no, it's just a different mentality, man. And I respect LeBron, but no, he's not on Michael's level. Well, I think it's a generational thing. A lot of a lot oh, of people are saying that Brown is, is the GOAT. They, they, they never saw Jordan. Right. They never got to see the greatness. Go ahead, Eric. So on Twitter, there was that guy a couple days ago that said that he watched Michael Jordan. He was born in 1990. That kid. <laughs> I was like, I I clown oh, man, you gave them this. You gave him the biz. But, you know, and a lot of that's where a lot of these kids qualify their opinions. You know, they, you know, they're like, oh, I, I watched him. I was alive when he played for the Wizards. Like, no, or I was <laughs> the Wizards. Yeah, you didn't watch Michael Jordan play yeah. basketball, and if you did, you know what though? Jordan was still killing it for the Wizards. He, he was. I mean, he's that's got to say something. Old. In his in his NBA geriatric age, oh. he was still dominating <laughs> Ron for the Wizards. Ask Ron Mercer about forty-year-old Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah. that guy, no, I, you know, he was trying to make his point that he saw LeBron and he saw he saw Mike. But at eight years old, you're not seeing Michael Jordan play basketball. You know, you're, he was eight and won his yeah, last. Yeah, it's like. And I, like, I was like, I can't. I, I would really love to hear your analysis of the first repeat when you were zero through three. Yeah. <laughs> I got into a debate a couple of years ago with a guy I worked with at the Athletic who is like twenty. I think he's like twenty six at the time. 
And I'm like, you never even watched Jordan. He's like, I watched some games on YouTube. I'm like, get the hell out of here with that. You watched a handful of games on YouTube, and now you're an expert on Michael Jordan? Come on, man. It's, I watched maybe, I mean, when I think about it, I, hundreds and hundreds of games. I got anyway. cable just so I could watch WGN. Oh, oh do you remember yeah. when, when- Channel uh, 9. Yeah. Are you old enough to remember? Channel 9. Are you old enough to remember when NBA first went to cable? As far as, like, like, were you a when were you 83. born? Oh, so you're okay. You're way younger than me. Okay, so you guys, none of you guys know the horrors of the '80s when NBA playoff games were tape delayed. Oh no! You, do you guys not even well, know? There about was no that? internet, so you didn't know no. who won. So no, listen to this. So the NBA was on the brink of huge trouble in the late '70s because. Uh, two people weren't interested in the game and there was some drug issues and just was not a really good league. Magic and Bird came along in 1979-80 and changed the league completely, mm -hmm. right? Interest started coming back. But even still, in the early 80s, playoff games, if they were on the weekends, they were on TV. If they were during the week, they were tape delayed and they were on CBS at 11.30 at night. Oh my God. <clears throat> so... I remember, try, I remember trying to avoid the score, which back then just meant don't watch local news, don't have your friend call you if they heard about it, mm -hmm. and stay up to 11.30 at night to watch games when I was in middle school and high school. And of course, I would fall asleep because I had to get up at 6 or 7 in the morning to go to school, right? <laughs> but anyway, that was that era. And then, like, I want to say 87, 88, the TV explosion happened. And they started having games on TNT and TBS. And it was just like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> this glorious moment for all us NBA fans. Because now every playoff game was on TV in real time. But yeah, you guys didn't have to live through that no. more. Magic, no. and Bird, Magic and Bird changed. They made that happen. And then Jordan, they, they reinvented the NBA that everyone loves today. If not for them, it, who knows where the league would have Was that the gone. Connie Hawkins saga? You mean in terms of yeah. trouble? All sorts of things. There was all sorts of crazy things going on with players and drugs. I mean, Michael Jordan in his last dance, the they had cocaine. him talking about how, yeah, cocaine on the team. He came in the, that was in the early 80s when he came in the 84. So there was still some problems going on then. But um, yeah, now like, think about that. I mean, right now you can watch any, any game played anywhere, anytime. And back then, the Western Conference Finals, game five, 11.30 at night. <laughs> Dang man, crazy! I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I couldn't do that today. I'm an yeah. old man. I go to bed early. We have kids, Tim. <laughs> I know, kids will age you fast. <laughs> well, Aaron, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We do have one final segment. If you're okay, sure. to play a little game. Benjamin, take it away. Yes, sir. We're going to end this with the prop segment. You know, we take a couple things going on in the world. And we just, you know, go through the panel and say, do we give this uh, person props or not? So let's start it off, you know, with uh, good old former Blazer, Myers Leonard. Do you give him props for continuing his fight for what? against his anti-Semitism? He's teaming up with an anti-hate organization to speak at a virtual seminar just months after the NBA player was caught dropping a slur while gaming online. Do we give him props for reforming his wrong? Tim. Uh, oh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron, I, I Aaron, yeah, take it. Oh, my, someone else wants to go no, first? No, go, go, no, go, no, go. It's all I'm you, not man. used oh, to yeah. a, a special no, guest, I, I, so. You know, 
always give props to people who want to, you know, correct things that they did wrong. I tend, I, I'm the master of giving people the benefit of the doubt. I'm really, really big on making sure you have all the information possible to completely condemn someone. Um, I tend to believe that he really might not have known what he was saying. And I know some people are like, how is that possible? But I, sometimes when you're raised in certain ways or certain places, you don't always know everything that could be offensive. So although it may seem like, eh, I, I just, the way he said it, it almost sounded like he really had no clue what he was saying. Um, and even if he did know it was a bad word, but you, but offensive word or racial epithet, but used it, I, I just, I still think there's a path to redemption. Dude, I mean, listen, I'm gonna be honest. Everyone I know and grew up said inappropriate things. It doesn't mean you meant it. Like, when you're kids, you just say dumb stuff. And he's in his 20s, I get that. But people say and do dumb things, and he's trying to make amends. I think that's good. And I think that he can earn his way to forgiveness. You know, I just I just do. All right. Eric, Eric, I know this is a, this is a hot one for you, man. And and, and and I would say the same thing if he said the N-word. Like, I, you know, there was, God, there was something. So, oh, like, uh, what's his face? The receiver for the Eagles. Remember that a few years oh, ago? What's it? Why can't I remember uh, his name? That, that, at the at the concert. God, he was at a, yeah, he's at a concert. And he was on video, and you know, it was dumb. It was stupid. I thought he was gonna get his ass whooped when he got the Eagles camp. <laughs> but even the players there yeah, were like, they, they accepted his apology um, to a certain extent. Uh, you know, I'm sure some were still pissed. But it's like, right, yeah. Riley Cooper. Oh, Riley Cooper. That's right. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I I, I think. I think there's a way to learn and make amends and everyone grow from a mistake as opposed to just trying to completely destroy something. It's destroy someone, anyway. Absolutely. Eric? I've always been a Myers Leonard fan. So the story goes, I got to go to the practice facility in 2013, I think, right before they left for summer league. So I got to meet Will Barton, uh, Myers Leonard and then obviously Damian Lillard and they all left a really big impression on me and the biggest thing about Myers Leonard was when you talk to him the guy was just a respectful it, it wasn't fake it wasn't conjured it wasn't manufactured I, I just spoke to him he's like yes sir it's very nice to meet you thank you for buying season tickets sir like he's just like a nice guy and then as you watched his right. career kind of unfold he also had I mean that same personality kind of carried over it never changed so then you know, this drama unfolds first, if you guys remember back in the bubble where he doesn't kneel during the national anthem, you know, so he kind of sets a precedent for himself, but he presents it in a way that is, res you know, respectable. He's what he says is respectable. My brother's in the, the armed services, yeah. you know, like, like exactly. this is how I feel. Like, I don't want you guys to get the wrong impression. I definitely stand with you. And then from that point, he wore a t-shirt. He wore a Black Lives Matter t-shirt for crying out loud. So <laughs> and people still didn't because he didn't take a knee. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't want people to piss on Kaepernick for taking a knee, but now we're gonna piss on Myers Leonard for not taking a knee when it's supposed to be about choice. Exactly. <laughs> so throw me bananas. If, if Myers Leonard doesn't want to take a knee, he doesn't have to take a knee, but he's standing there in solidarity with his brothers. And wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, and we still gave him crap. Yeah, America's jacked and see, up. And that's where I'm at. And then, 
<laughs> when this all goes down, when this when this whole incident transpires and he's on video and something comes out of his mouth that really shouldn't, he goes into you know crisis mode. He gets cut from uh, Memphis. Did he get traded to Memphis. It trade. No. <laughs> he got traded to Memphis and then cut. I think right. So, mm-hmm. but right. here's something that he doesn't do. He doesn't hop online immediately and delete the tweet. That tweet is literally, if you go to his Twitter feed right now, that is the first thing that you see is that clip of him. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for that guy because he didn't run and hide. And then for the last five months, he's going out behind the scenes and making amends for himself. Not to put it, he's not... There's no video log of him going out. He's not streaming everything. It's not on his Snapchat story. So I give the guy a lot of props, and I think that, you know, like you said, America is kind of jacked, man. We we we're not waiting for redemption. We're waiting to cancel someone. I mean, that's really what it is. We're just we're itching to cancel the next yeah. guy. And he took that and he ran with it. And I'm I'm rooting for him. I hope the guy gets another job in the NBA. I still think that he can be a contributing member to uh, an NBA team. I think he's a nice guy. I give him a lot of props. And, man, I'm a married man. I would be very scared of my wife. I would be doing everything I could behind the scenes to fix that stuff too, you know, because women can have a – you don't want to mess up a happy home, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we have gone off the rails with, like (laughs) – this story comes to mind a woman this woman became the editor of teen vogue oh yeah and they found something that she had made a a a racist comment about asians i think when she was in high school when she was in high school when i have a high school daughter high school kids are not smart (laughs) they shouldn't high school i mean they're book smart Right, they can be smart for their age, but when it comes, I mean, my wife is always telling me, your brain doesn't develop to your 25 whenever I freak out about my teenage kids. Take it easy on them. They're not, their brains aren't developed yet. Well, I'm about to develop their brain. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll develop it for them. Put them in this vice grip. I'll scare them. Anyway, but uh, Aaron Fentress abuses his kids. See, See there you go, Kevin Hart. Now, right? <laughs> Let's yeah. go, Kevin so, Hart. But, 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 but think about that. Like, seriously. Who, there's, there's, I would love to go back in everyone's past and find something they said or did that's completely inappropriate. Everyone's done so. Everyone. And this woman, they, they took the job away from her for something she said 17 years ago. Like, it's just dumb. It doesn't make any and sense. And let me just go on record. At all. My, I'm half Asian. It didn't and, offend and here's me. Thing. My dad's from Laos. Right, it didn't offend like, me. <laughs> right. Like the like the the Leonard thing. Yes, he said something stupid, but he like here's the other thing too. He wasn't even saying it to a Jewish person. That's one of the reasons why I believe that he probably didn't know what he like. It was completely out of context for anything. It was just he just used the word. He shouldn't have used it. I'm not my my mom's Jewish. I'm not you know. So I I you know I, I lived in that community partly. It's a long story, but anyway. Uh, I celebrated Hanukkah as a kid, so I, I get those things. But it's like, to me, it's like, that doesn't define your entire life. Like, it's just, to me, it should have been like, oh, dude, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, my bad. You're right. I'm sorry, everybody. And then it's over. It's Good over. Thing. Move on. 
I think we do more damage to our society by making it out to be bigger than it is. It's the same thing with everything that people like. People say inappropriate things. They make mistakes. You smack them in the back of the head and you move on. You don't try to ruin their lives. Cancel culture is I'm getting off my tail. Yeah, it's just it's it's just it's uh, it's over the top. And people, it's always go after their job, make them get fired, man. Get, getting someone fired is is like, I mean. Not only do you lose income, you lose health insurance. Like, does anyone ever think that the man you want fired because he said something inappropriate has a, a wife who's a cancer patient and they need their damn health insurance? He should have known better. Yeah, but he said that word. He should have said that word. Like, uh, oh, okay, sorry, I'm getting pissed off right now. It's just, it, it's all. It's just, well, I, I, I apologize to start it off with that. And it's embarrassing. It's it embarrassing. Is. Our yeah. country. So anyway, so yes, I'm pulling for Myers Leonard. <laughs> I think he's already done more than enough, um, and I hope that he's 100% forgiven. I'm since I wasn't even asked, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> I give him props, <laughs> but you know I'll keep it a little shorter than these two did. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think what it is, it's about it's about continuing the conversation, right? It's about growth. It's about learning. And and right. to your point, Aaron, I think the fact that the way he said it you know who he said it to i mean i don't know if you've played video games aaron but yeah you know you say dumb stuff when you're in the heat of a moment playing a video game right whether he he meant it or not i mean i think you know there was backlash i think his his reaction to it was genuine and I think he's doing the right things to rectify the situation, but you shouldn't condemn the man for one incident where he knew, obviously he knows he he was wrong to say it now, but why, why strip the man of his job? Like you said, man, like I've known too many people that have had, you know, like their wife is a cancer patient or, you know, their husband, you know, is, is needing some sort of health care or health insurance or whatever it is, or, or maybe their significant other doesn't work. You know, they still have kids to feed. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that this cancel culture forgets. So, exactly. or maybe doesn't even bother to think about. Or care about. So, 100%. right. So, yeah. so big props to Myers for trying to do the right thing. Because I think people forget that that's really what we should be doing is doing the right thing, not attacking one another. Right. So and, big, and big people, props. And especially the way people do it from social media where it's so impersonal. Like I always tell people all the time, People say things to me sometimes on Twitter they would never say to my face. And I'm not saying it from like, I'm gonna beat their ass or anything like that. I'm saying it from that you just don't talk to people face to face like that. Yeah. Like you're like, if I'm debating the Blazers with you, you're not gonna call me stupid and an idiot. If we're sitting in a, you're just not. And again, not because I'm gonna take the, you know, a beer bottle and bang you over the head with it, but because you just wouldn't, it thinks you will do that but well, it's easy. there's a level of respect that comes along with speaking to someone face to face exactly whereas on twitter i'm on my phone i can just do whatever and then just walk away from it like um, and old, i think old infomercial you said it and forget it right <laughs> and, but part of castle culture is people go off on twitter and i, I was just i'm just like these people are idiots like you you were on a phone tweeting at me like you, i mean if you're that upset i don't know what i don't know what to do for you, you don't play for the blazers Dave's not inviting you to the cookout, so why are you so upset at me because I said they're gonna lose? Like, what the, who cares? 
All anyway, right, all right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna go. Props to Myers Leonard across the board. Let's get a little more lighthearted on our next prop, okay? <laughs> Do okay. you give props to a Florida dad that won a million dollar jackpot on a lottery ticket all while they were back to school shopping, searching for a specific backpack for his daughter? You're gonna have to go in depth. I didn't. I didn't check that. Yeah, we, we need. We need backstory. a little more. He was doing some back to a Florida man was doing some back to school shopping with his daughter. You know, they were off the beaten path out of his normal neighborhood because they were searching for the specific backpack his daughter wanted. Right. So he wasn't okay. in his normal town. And, and, and just to quote the article here, it says, "I just happened to be on a different side of town from where I normally buy lottery tickets, all because I was looking for a specific backpack for my daughter to start school with." You know, so Pope Ooh. ran into oh, a the uh, convenience store and happened to buy a million dollar lottery ticket right then and there. Would he have, you mean, so his person, we, we got to give this guy props, you know, for winning a million dollars off of a lottery ticket? I'm giving props for being a good yeah, dad. Yeah. You got lucky on yeah. But being a good dad led him to the million. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it was a good karma coming his way. So next time my daughter wants some special colored pencils that I can only get in Seattle, I'm making that yes. trip. And buy a lot <laughs> exactly. Of Don't order it online. You got to make that trip. Don't order it off. Yeah. Don't order it off Amazon. Yeah. Right? Well, that's going to be tough these days. Can I order yeah. a lottery yeah. ticket yeah. off Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> you can buy a lottery ticket on an app. Yeah. yeah. Can you really? Yes. Yes. Oregon lottery. Oh, the app. Oregon lottery. That's yes. right. We'll so touch so on Aaron, Aaron gives him uh, props for being a, a good father. <laughs> I absolutely. I give them props for the being a good dad. The lottery ticket's yes. lucky, but your perseverance as a good dad led to the yes. luck. So, yes. yes. Eric? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, like Aaron said, he was being a good dad, traveling all over town, looking for a specific backpack, doing something for his daughter. I mean, if he's able to rake home, what did you say, $888,000? Yeah, he took the lump sum means... of eight eighty. Yeah, kudos to that guy. Hey. Hey, I go, I go to Target. If they don't have it, you ain't getting it. <laughs> Tim, Tim, we are two for two. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him props. I, I give, I give the karmic justice props. That's not, uh, not so much, not so much giving the dad props for winning. Just the karmic justice for sure. All right. I need to know what kind of backpack she was trying. It to doesn't get. specify. You know, who knows? Maybe Paw Patrol. You know, I don't know. The new Avengers backpack? I'm gonna, I, I couldn't tell you, man. I'm going to go out and buy a uh, lottery ticket and try and buy that same backpack. See what happens. Buy a lottery <laughs> ticket. Yeah. All right. So props across the board to the Florida man for perse persevering for his daughter and, uh, you know, coming out on the plus side himself. So we'll wrap this up with our final props here. It is coming to light that Terrell Owens, at age 47, is thinking that he is still in his prime and can play in the NFL. He is quoted as saying, I'm not washed up. <sighs> Terrell Owens hasn't played a snap since 2010. Aaron, do we give him props for thinking he's still NFL caliber? No, he's delusional. <laughs> I don't believe that, though. I think he's just searching for attention. But there's also, there's also in the article, it says there's a source, which I... I don't believe these source things that one team has actually reached out to him. Yes, they sit down. Fool. 
For what, Waterboy? <laughs> no, yeah, our team reached out and said, stop calling us. <laughs> we filed for a restraining order. No, we're not inviting you to camp. <laughs> All right, so that, that's, a, that's no. a no props from Aaron there. Hey, Owens is one of the greatest receivers of all time. Phenomenal physical athlete. Just amazing. His shenanigans always amused me. He really did anything. I don't think he did anything that absolutely really offended me. Uh, maybe going to the star in Dallas was a little over the top, but amazing player. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say dancing with the stars the was what put you over the top. But <laughs> I remember an interview. He said, I love me some me. <laughs> I, I, use that. I still use that from time to time. Uh, just as I think it's hilarious. Um, but no, I mean, he played a long time, but he was done when he left. And there's no way he's still 11 years out at 47. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Now, could he go out there and run a slant in the red zone and catch it? Probably. You know, could he run a hitch and turn around and step on the corner, maybe gain extra five yards? Probably. But, but that's not, he can't play a football but game. The, but the first time he gets lit up, his body's destroyed he's, he's at 47. claiming to oh. run a 4.4 40-yard dash. Yeah, right. Just days ago. Yeah, I mean, 47, if you're in tip-top shape, I'm sure you can still be fast. But there's no way you're as fast as you were when you were a player and when he was in 27. Like, that's just not a thing. You're not going to be as fast at 47 as you were at 27. So, no, I don't believe he runs a 4.440. He might run a 4.430 downhill. But <laughs> I'm running a 443 now. No, I'm right. pretty sure right. I just watched a guy in his 30 or in his 40s throw a ball about what 40, 50 yards on Twitter. Was that you? Uh, was it 40? 40. <laughs> it was 40. My challenge was 40. If I threw it 40. Oh man, <laughs> I hope you and Kenyon Barner are good buddies because you were giving him the biz. Oh yeah, Kenyon and I go way back. I covered him at Oregon. He's he's a cool dude. <laughs> Uh, no, Terrell Owens, Ben, uh, I don't give him props. I mean, he was my fa- one of my favorite players when I was growing up, and I loved him when he was in his prime, but I wish that he would just kind of take the Chad Johnson approach and just enjoy his life away from football, and, you know, because I think he and Chad are very similar in how they played the game and how they uh, kind of exemplified that diva-style Deep, yeah, deep you know, but you know, Chad's been a great guy on Twitter, and he's he's been a guy that's kind of just <clears throat> kind of turned into a personality. And I wish Terrell Owens would do the same thing, because it's sad to see a guy that's 47 years old saying something that you know 99.9 of the general public knows is absolutely absurd. Right, I I'm still upset that he did what he did with the Hall of Fame, like the fact that he didn't go to the Hall of Fame because he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he was a first ballot Hall of Fame talent, but he was not a first ballot Hall of Fame teammate. And the people who vote on the Hall of Fame are really big on being a good teammate, doing everything you can to promote winning, not just statistics. And so a lot of those guys, you can say they're old heads if you want, some of them, they did not like his shenanigans. And that that just carries weight. And so you weren't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Get over it. You're still a Hall, You're still of, a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame, so to not go for him to not go to the Hall of Fame to be inducted is a thousand times more disrespectful than him not being a first ballot. It's just ridiculous, and that's just but that's just him though. He's always he's, it's always about him. him, and that's why he didn't get in first ballot. Yeah, he proved their point. So we got no props from Eric and Aaron. Tim, round us out, man. 
I'm gonna go a different path and give him props for keeping up the shenanigans. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Do I think he can play in the NFL? No. But I give him I give him props for being ridiculous still. <laughs> okay. All right. So there you go. You know. And because I like to be different. No props from Aaron. No props from <laughs> Eric. Uh, we'll give uh, a middle of the road props from Tim. So To just stick to your uh, Fubo Sports Network television show and uh, you know do what you got to do now at 47, my friend. <laughs> well, Aaron, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Big, big thank you for for visiting with us. Uh, we've taken up about just about two hours of your time now. Has uh, it been? Yeah, it has, man. <laughs> it's bedtime. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> So we're gonna let you go. We're gonna we're gonna count down here. Um, we just want to say thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure talking with you, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So shout out to my co-host Eric, the Encyclopedia Foster, Blazer Ben, uh, again Aaron Fentress, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you our listeners, Twitter followers, and bucket busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter at Busted Bucket with your comments and questions. We love building community with you guys. So Ben, you know what time it is. That's a wrap for this episode. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.